is found in Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through 72. The paragraph before us records the terrible, terrible denial of the Lord Jesus by his faithful, faithful servant, the Apostle Peter. Let's begin reading at verse 66. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw him warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand what thou sayest. And when he went out into the porch and the cock crew, and a maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. Thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom thou speakest. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him. Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he went. Such a solemn story as this, I think, probably is best handled without any introduction, though I had prepared a considerably lengthy introduction. Let me just show you three things in this text of Scripture and seek to show you some lessons to be drawn from it. First, let's look at the circumstances of Peter's fall. How did such a great man come to commit such a horrible sin? We're not talking about a lost man. We're not talking about a religious hypocrite. We're not talking about an apostate. Our text is talking about a man who is a child of God, redeemed by the blood of Christ, sanctified by his Spirit, a man who is chosen of God, kept by his grace, a saint, a genuine saint. In the tenor of his life, Peter was a faithful giant among faithful giants. Very few before him or after him could stand shoulder to shoulder with this man. He was a man strong in faith, firm in conviction, bold in preaching, unrelenting in his zeal for Christ. This man was eminent even among the apostles, a leader among leaders, an example among examples, a preacher among preachers. But this man, great as he was, was just a man. Like you and like me, he was a man 
whose heart by nature was full of sin, whose flesh was weak. On that dark, dark night in the high priest's palace, this man's evil heart broke out in a terrible display of ungodliness. He did something that is as horrible and evil as any act I know of ever committed in the history of the human race. Now, I thought about that a long time before I wrote it down. Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus here is as horrible, as hideous, as ungodly, as vile, as reprehensible as any act committed by any man in the history of humanity. The godly apostle Peter blasphemously denied three times in the matter of an hour the Son of God. And he did so with foul oaths. Now, when I read that, I want to know how can we account for that. As we look at the circumstances of Peter's fall, let me remind you that there are no extenuating circumstances recorded to excuse or to any way mitigate his guilt. But everything recorded, and it's recorded three times, or four times rather, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all inspired by the Spirit of God, record the details of Peter's fall. And there's not one single word of mitigation in the text. Not one. Those men were his friends. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, his companions, his fellow servants. If we had been writing that, if, if you were writing it about me or I were writing it about one of my preacher friends and, and they had uh, some way messed up somewhere, I'd do my best to try to mitigate the circumstances. I, but you've you got to understand. You've you got, you, you got to recognize the circumstances. This is just out of character. But not one word is spoken to in any way excuse Peter's guilt because God the Holy Spirit deals honestly with things. And this is God's word we're reading. Peter's fall was a very strange thing because this man Peter was one of the Lord's most highly favored, most greatly blessed, most richly honored disciples. The Lord had done so much for Peter. He'd done so much for him. Peter, if you read John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42, Peter was one of the very first in this world to whom the Lord Jesus Christ came in human flesh and made himself known as the Christ of God, the Son of the living God. The Lord Jesus came to Andrew and showed himself to Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew went home and said, Brother Peter, let me tell you, I found the Christ. Peter said, where is he? And he went and showed him. And the Lord showed himself to Peter as well. Peter was in the inner circle of the Master's friends. I don't mean to suggest by any way that there are uh, some believers who are more and some believers who are less accepted of God in Christ. But remember, our Lord Jesus was a man. And as a man, he walked in this world with men. And there were men whose company he most intimately enjoyed. Other men whom he loved dearly, but their, their company as men may not have been quite so pleasant to him. Peter was one of those, along with James and John, who went everywhere with the Master for three and a half years. Where he prayed, they prayed. Where he ate, they ate. Where he slept, they slept. Where he preached, they either listened or they preached as well. 
The Lord Jesus made Peter to be one of his most intimate companions, and he seems to have been the chief spokesman for the early church. Now, I said that because I want you to understand. The greater our privileges, the higher our honors, the greater our responsibilities, and the more horrible our offenses. Say, so, well, we don't want to put anybody up on a pedestal. We're all up on some kind of pedestal. And God put us there. God put us there. I just caught Charlotte's eye. That little girl there, you're her mother. And what you do, good or bad, has a much more profound effect than what she does. I'm your pastor. What I do, good or bad, has a much more profound effect in many ways than what you do because God has put us in positions of responsibility. And the greater our privileges, the greater our responsibilities, the greater are our falls and the consequences of them. Peter's fall is especially sad because he was plainly, faithfully warned of his great danger. We read in Luke 22, now that our Lord Jesus told Peter in the plainest terms possible exactly what was going to happen to him. He even gave him the details. Peter was told the danger he was in, and he was told what he must do to preserve himself from the temptation. Satan, our Lord said, desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Your faith is about to be severely attacked, Peter, and you must watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. But Peter just stuck his fingers in his ears. Isn't that amazing? Not too amazing. We do the same thing. He ignored the Word of God. He ignored the revelation of God's Word. He ignored that which God the Son spoke plainly, directly to him. Peter's guilt is aggravated also by the fact that it came so soon after he had so confidently declared his loyalty to, love for, and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to Matthew's account in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse 31. Then Jesus saith unto them, All of you shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered, this is what he said, They might sure enough do it. <laughs> They might sure enough do it. I, I've always been kind of suspicious of them anyhow. They might sure enough deny you. Though all, and notice the word men is not, uh, is in italics. That means it's added by our translators. And I think it was added by mistake. He's saying, these, my companions, these other disciples, these other apostles, uh, though they all shall be offended because of you. Yet will I never be offended. Nothing could cause me to forsake you. Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, 
that this night before the cock crow thou shalt deny me three times. And Peter said unto him, Now listen, the Lord said to Peter, This is what's going to happen to you. And Peter said, You're mistaken. <laughs> You're wrong, buddy. He said, Should I die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. In Luke's gospel, Luke records these words. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then just a few hours after this proud, confident boast, we see Peter cussing, saying, I don't know that man. I don't know him. Oh, Ron Wood, how fickle we are. Peter's fall didn't come at once, but by degrees. Now, I hope you're listening to this preacher. Peter followed the Lord afar off. I heard a story once about a man who was seeking to hire a chauffeur. And uh, when he... Uh, called me in for an interview. He'd take them out and have them to drive. And he said, I want to see how you drive. And he'd take them out along a terribly, terribly winding road in the mountains and uh, no guardrails and anything, just real, uh, real steep fall off. And he said, I want to see how good a driver you are. And this fellow would get in the car and he'd start to drive. And he'd get over just as close to the edge as he could, just as close to the edge as he could, and drive around that road just as close to the edge as he could get. One after the other, they get just as close to the edge as they could. Wanted to impress him how good they could handle that car and how good they could handle the road. And finally, he got a fellow in there and he was interviewing him. He said, I want to take you out and see how, how well you can drive. And that fellow got on that mountain road and he hugged up just as close to the side of the mountain as he could hug up. Stayed just as tight as he could stay. The fellow hired him. <laughs> he said, I don't, want to play, I don't want to run with anybody who plays dangerously. Children of God, don't play dangerously with your souls. Hug up just as tight as you can to the Son of God. Peter sat in the seat of scorners. I realize that somehow we've got to recognize a, a clear line of distinction and responsibility. We live in this world. We have sons and daughters and Mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters who are lost, husbands and wives who are lost, and we don't isolate ourselves from them. We don't we don't cut ourselves off from them. We don't we don't live like hermits. That's that's irresponsible. That's contrary to Scripture. We must never never even entertain such thoughts. The, the idea of living in convents or monasteries or in in communes that's, that's totally foreign to the Scripture. Nothing but self righteousness involved in it. Yet at the same time. Bobby Estes, you and I are fools if we choose for our companions, our constant friends, our intimate acquaintances, men and women who don't know our God. You're just fools. You're asking for trouble. Peter sought to comfort himself with the warmth of the fire that the Lord's enemies had provided. And he denied the Lord Jesus by degrees. 
At first, when the maid said, said, you're one of them, he said, I don't understand you. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then another came, and he said, uh, he said, I don't know him. I don't know that man. Now, this is what he said. This is what he said. This is not written, uh, just thrown in there, it's written for a reason. He said, I don't know the man. This same apostle who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thou art the Son of God. Now, when the chips are down, he said, I don't know that man. He's just what you said he was. He's a man. He's a man. And another came along and said, But your speech betrays you. <laughs> you sound like one of his disciples. He said, They saw you with him. I saw you there. And they saw you there. And besides that, your speech betrays you. He's like, well, Fix that. And he begins to cuss like a sailor. He said, I don't know him. I don't know him. He took the language of a base, ungodly, vile man to prove that he was no follower of the Holy Lamb of God. Say, so, well, that was a great trial. Shoot. He's gone through more than this many times. <laughs> the fact is, Bob, it takes very, very little to catch us, trip us, and bring us down if God just leaves us to ourselves for a minute. Peter was in the garden facing a band of Roman soldiers and single-handedly he whips out his sword and goes to war. That, that's bold. Well, I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> now, I'm a scrapper, but I wouldn't have been there. I'd have, I'd have been hiding in it somewhere. We're, we're outnumbered. Let's get out of here. But Peter boldly stands for Christ. Now, there's a little young girl, a young woman. She seems to have no power. No influence. The Word of God doesn't suggest that she had any authority of any kind. She was just a servant of the high priest. And she said, uh, I saw you down there. That's all it took. How come? Because the Lord purposefully left Peter to stand alone for just a little bit. Because he's determined. He's determined. One way or another, we're going to find out what we're made of. One way or the other. But generally, these falls don't come suddenly. I've been pastoring for nearly 30 years. And I've seen a lot of people fall. Fall horribly. Some fall into utter apostasy, never to return. Some fall into some grievous error, some sin, which they wallow for a long time, for which they suffer much. But I'll tell you what I have never seen. I've never seen it happen, buddy, but what there weren't signs to indicate this is where it's going. I've never seen it happen. Here's another great aggravation of Peter's sin. All this time, The Lord Jesus is standing right in front of him, bearing his reproach, beginning to suffer in his stead. 
hearing every word. What was the reason for Peter's fall? What happened to him? How can we account for his terrible sin? Pride cometh before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Now then, let me not leave it there. Let me show you the means of Peter's recovery. Peter fell, but he didn't perish. His faith weakened, but it didn't die. He sinned, but he wasn't cast off. He forsook Christ, but Christ didn't forsake him. He denied the Lord, but the Lord refused to deny him. You see, Peter belonged to Christ, and Christ can never lose one of his own. The good shepherd can never lose one of his sheep. Peter failed, but the Lord Jesus graciously raised him up. As the wise man says in Proverbs 24, 16, the righteous fall seven times in a day, and the Lord raises him up. <laughs> the righteous fall seven times in a day. That is, there is a completion about falling in us continually every day, seven times a day, and the Lord continually raises us up. How did the Lord Jesus raise this fallen servant up? Oh, there are four things clearly revealed in the gospel narratives. First, there was a work of providence. Oh, God's good providence. <laughs> oh, thank God for his good providence. Now, so, Pastor, what's, what's so evident here about God's providence? There was a rooster crowed on cue. <laughs> on cue. You see, our God, when he's determined to speak, when he's determined to make a man hear, the Lord God can just as easily speak through an ass's mouth as speak through a prophet's mouth. He can just as easily speak through the crowing of a rooster as to speak through the words of an apostle. Peter, now you're going to deny me. But before the rooster crows the second time, before the sun rises and the rooster crows the second time, you're going to deny me three times. Looks like the first time he heard that rooster crow, he'd have just shook. Looks like he'd have just shivered. And then there's a work of grace. Look at this. The scripture tells us in Luke twenty-two sixty-one. The Lord turned and looked on Peter. Looked at him, skipped like I'm looking at you. Not with eyes of scorn. Not with eyes of anger. Not with eyes of disdain. But with eyes of tenderness. Love and mercy. What a Savior he is. Silently, he spoke through his eyes directly to Peter's heart. I can almost hear him speak. He looked at him. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
He said, greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He looked at him and he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you, sons of Jacob, are not consumed. He said, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. He said, Peter, I give you eternal life, and you'll never perish. In me is thy righteousness found. I have redeemed thee, so fear not, neither be afraid. I am thy strength. Return unto me. Return unto me, and I will pardon. And then there's a work of the word. A work of providence with the crowing of the rooster, a, a work of grace with the look of the master. But God's work is always done in conjunction with his word. The Lord said to Peter, he said, this is what's going to happen. And when the cock crew, Peter remembered the word. He thought on the word. But there was more than that. There was also the work of our advocate. You remember what the Lord said to Peter? We read it earlier. He said, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may run you through his rough, rough seal. Nevertheless, I have prayed for thee. He prayed for him before he fell. He's his great high priest. And he prayed for him. Oh, children of God, listen to me. The Lord of glory, the Son of God, our great high priest, is our advocate in heaven. And if any man sin, the scripture says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. Oh, what security then is ours. If you're a believer, if you're truly born of God, if truly you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you something I want you to hear. I want you to hear. Now, if you if you just got a profession of faith, if you're just a religious hypocrite, if you if you just you know you you got a you got a name to wear but it's not real, God just may let you live forever until you die in your sins and go to hell, presuming everything's all right with your soul. But I want to tell you this, if you're his, if genuinely you're born of God, he's going to keep you. Nothing will ever separate you from his grace. Nothing will ever pry you from his hands. Nothing will ever tear you from the heart of his love. Nothing. Not even your sin. So you can't tell that to me. I just did. I'd like to shout it from the housetops. <laughs> Not even your sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. So that'll cause men to, uh, to just want to live like hell. Only folks who are children of hell. That's all. That's all. Say, so, well, I can do what I want to the Lord. Won't, he, he, won't, he, he won't deal with me because he won't, he won't deal with me with sin. I'll still stay in his grace. I've got news for you. I you listen to me. If that notion is in you. Your religion's a joke. It's a hoax of hell fixed in your heart. 
That's just not the Spirit of Christ. Well, what are the signs of Peter's restoration? Well, this trial and this fall was no accident. Oh, no. Satan ran God's child through his rough sifter, and a rough sifter it was. But Peter lost nothing in the process but chaff. <laughs> he came out on the other side of this thing a better man than he was before. That's right. That's right. There's no accident. The Lord God, our Savior, deliberately, according to his purpose of grace, in his sovereign providence, used the devil, the fiend of hell, as a vessel to his own purpose to accomplish his good pleasure toward his apostle Peter. And Peter could never, I don't, I don't hesitate for a moment to tell you this, Peter could never have preached like he did on day of Pentecost. He could never have spoken as he did to the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 if he hadn't been here and experienced this. Oh, thank God for his absolute overruling providence. Here are the evidences, the signs of his restoration. Peter went out of the place. As soon as grace had rekindled a fire in his soul, he didn't need that fire which the high priest servants warmed themselves by. He went out and wept bitterly. The word of God, the grace of God, the providence of God worked repentance in his heart. Let me ask you something. Do you know anything about repentance? Really? Believers constantly experience it. I have repented. I am repenting and I shall repent. And except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Well, what do we learn from all this? Let's learn something about ourselves. Don't be presumptuous. We're all too much like Peter. We're all fickle, sinful wretches by nature. So don't think too highly of yourself. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. Amen.